Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Hallelujah. Buenas if Ask your neighbor, did you come with your paperback Bible? So good to see you in church. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? I'm excited today. We are about to have an amazing transition into a new season. Amen. The kingdom of God is moving. The kingdom of God is expanding. Hallelujah. Please get your paperback Bible. I only have 30 minutes today. We have an amazing, amazing service event today, and I'm completely looking forward. Amen. The book of Ezekiel chapter 37 is my assignment this morning. And I want to get there and quickly finish so that we can move to, to our service. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, we will read from verse 1 to verse 7. But before you do that, you can only do this on a paperback Bible. Put a finger there. <laughs> this is only possible in a paperback Bible. You put what? You put a finger over there and then just go to go to the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy is after 1 Timothy, Anthony Macau. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. We've been having some conversations around holy living, around sanctification and being set apart. And this is our final installment of that conversation around how then can we walk in a way that glorifies God in our generation. That despite and in spite of the heat of battle and the challenge of the day, how can we honor God with our lives? And this has been an anchoring scripture in verse 19. So I will read verse 19 to verse 26. And then you will read Ezekiel 36, verse 1 to 9. Is that okay? Is that fine? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, where is your paperback Bible? Mativo, where is your paperback Bible? Neighbor, should I bring you a Bible next Sunday? Neighbor, did you come to church? <laughs> uh, this is my favorite time in the whole world. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands sure having this seal the lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of jesus christ depart from iniquity he says but in a great house there is not only vessels of gold and silver and we we, we had a conversation last sunday around what then who is the vessel that the lord uses and scripture says here that in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there are also vessels of wood and vessels of clay, some of honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if any man cleanses himself from the, from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor sanctified and what? Useful for the master, prepared unto every good work. That if God is going to use a people, if God is going to use a generation, there is a requirement to purge ourselves. And purge ourselves of what? He continues and argues in verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness. He says pursue faith. He says pursue love, that I don't just wake up in the morning and love is in my heart, that I have to pursue it. That I have to pursue peace. 
especially with those who call unto the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Just look at your neighbor and tell neighbor, I forgive you. I know you have a grudge on me, but baby, I forgive you. This morning, this is just a forgiveness season. Adelaide, this is just a forgiveness season. I know you discerned that my heart is a bit folded this morning, but I can tell you, neighbor, I am pursuing peace and love. I'm pursuing after it, Pastor Doc. I'm running. I'm, I'm chasing after it. it. says, pursue righteousness, the life and nature of God. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace with those who call on out the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Look at verse 23. It begins to give us five things to avoid. Here is one. He says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Hallelujah. I remember in earlier days, we used to go to, not here, we used to go to some conferences and people would sit on our seats and it would be completely annoying. Hallelujah. I tell you, avoid ignorant and foolish arguments. He says, who took the remote? Okay. Knowing that they generate, what do they generate? They generate strife. Do you see the way this generator, Wonder Keys, generates electricity? That the generator of strife is ignorant disputes, foolish disputes. Okay. And as a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. We're establishing what does God use? Man of God, Kagunda, so good to see you in church this morning. Says <laughs> that. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, and must be able to teach, to be patient. In humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they come to their senses and escape the snare of the evil one, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now your turn, Ezekiel 37, we will read from verse 1. To verse 9. Ezekiel 37, we will read from verse 1 to verse 9. Ezekiel 37, are you there? Okay, very well. Ezekiel 37, verse 1 to verse 9. Okay, pursue patience. You're trying my patience in the key. <laughs> Uh, my minutes are running out. Are we there? All right. Does somebody have the NKJV version? Those of us who have the NKJ, or should we do NIV? Or we do English in English Standard Version, ESV? Somebody said, I have Young's translation. Wayman's. The Passion. Aish. Okay. Has somebody read the Street Bible? If you just want an afternoon of comedy, just find the Street Bible translation. You will really enjoy yourself. Okay, Ezekiel 37. We read verse 1 to verse 9. Is that okay? 3, 2, 1, go.
Amen. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet as an exceedingly great army. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the edification, O oh God, that you have placed in your scriptures. And we pray that today as we take time to examine your word, Lord, thou shalt strengthen our inner man and cause us to rise again, even as a great army in the name of Jesus. That that which needs resurrection and empowerment and encouragement, Lord, it shall happen to us this afternoon. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen. Just find the neighbor, give them a high five and tell them sit on your challenges, sit on your challenges, sit on your challenges. So good to see each and every one of you this morning. I'm excited because God is doing a new thing in our lives. I remember it is Solomon that said, better is a dead, better is a live, a live dog than a dead lion, that sometimes I might not have the mane of a lion, but I have life, that I might not have the strength and the fierceness of a lion, but even a lion, if it, is, if it be dead, is worse than a dog. And I just want to celebrate somebody this morning that God is on your side. I came to announce an encouragement. Thank you for that one. Amen. I came to announce an encouragement that God is not done with you yet. Hallelujah. Do I have somebody in church? God is not done with you yet. Your better days are ahead of you. Hallelujah. Let me say that one more time. Your better days are ahead of you. The book of Ezekiel is ex extremely interesting because it is one of the most underlooked chapters or by or prophets in the Bible. As a matter of fact, if I asked you now to quote for me a scripture in the book of Ezekiel, of course we will have some uh, logistical memory challenges because I know the last time you wrote the book of Ezekiel, you read it just this morning when it was on screen. So the book of Ezekiel is pitched as one of the most important in the prophetic as far as uh, enumerating the things that will begin to happen in the last days. One of the scholars has argued that the reason why why the book of Ezekiel has been put on the side so much is because it was not necessarily quoted in the New Testament. That the way we see the book of Isaiah quoted with Jesus Christ and with Paul and with Peter and so on, the book of Ezekiel somehow faces some blackout in the New Testament. But there's an interesting parallel between the book of Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 1 because both begin with the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is important especially in our end time because any prophecy that exalts a man is not prophecy. Let me say that one more time. Any prophecy that exalts a process, any prophecy that exalts a procedure, any process that any prophecy that exalts things to do is a prophecy that should be shunned away from the child of God. Because when you study Ezekiel chapter 1 and when you study Revelation chapter 1, all of them begin with the prophet being in the spirit. And when they're in the spirit, what they began to sow was Jesus Christ. In fact, scripture says, I was in the spirit in the day of the Lord and I saw Jehovah and him exalted. Then scripture said, I saw a sword coming forth from his mouth and his eyes were like beams of light. He says his hand was lifted up and I could see where the nails were driven. 
He anchors prophecy that with the revelation that prophecy must exalt Jesus Christ. That is important in our latter-day church because what you begin to realize is this prophecy that exalts prophet that, that exalts process. It's a prophecy that says, "Do these three things, and then you shall be free." It's a prophecy that says, "Enter into a 21 day of fastings, and then after these 21 days of fastings, you're going to bring this type of seed." And then after you bring this type of seed, you'll shout hallelujah seven times. And then your deliverance will come nigh unto thee. The devil is a liar. The, the primary focus of prophecy is Jesus Christ. That there is no prophecy that focuses on anything else other than Jesus Christ. And that is important. So Ezekiel begins to lay his foundation and he addresses the issues of the day. And what, what was happening is, if you have studied the scripture, you'll realize is that the children of Israel were just coming from a battle and they were coming from a siege by Nebuchadnezzar. I know you remember that. Do you remember that faith? That Nebuchadnezzar came to the city of Judah and he laid siege to the city of Judah for seven days. Can you imagine that for seven days Nebuchadnezzar had laid siege? No wonder when people play, pray in Kiswahili they just curse Nebuchadnezzar. Have you had those prayers? That Nebuchadnezzar umekandamiza watu wako. They just sound the same. And Nebuchadnezzar had completely embarrassed the children of God and he had given them tension and they were in a difficult place and he lay a siege of them. On the seventh day, scripture says that finally he was able to penetrate the defenses of the children of Israel. Now look at the arrogance of the enemy. He enters and he summons the king. Now he not only summons the king, but he summons the king and his two sons. Can you see the arrogance? Then he tells him to kneel down and the first thing that he does he slaughters the firstborn son as if that was that was not enough he goes ahead and slaughters the secondborn son and then he, he tells the king and the king at that time bible student was who Zedekiah he tells Zedekiah now this is the last thing that you will see and he gorges out his he gorges out his eyes what manner of arrogance is this and Nebuchadnezzar begins to speak insolence and he says that the last thing you will see was the blessing or the hope of the future. Now the children of Israel are rejected from their home and now they're in captivity in Babylon and there is hopelessness in the city. There is hopelessness in the camp of God. There is no sight of deliverance. On every side that they turn, what they see is the enemy. They see the army of, and at that time that was the biggest army, they see the army of Babylon, led by Nebuchadnezzar himself as a constant reminder that there is no hope for you and we are going to cut you out, you and your future generations. It is here that the book of Ezekiel it is written. It's a trying time. As a matter of fact, when you study Ezekiel chapter 3, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he tells him, I need you to rise up and I want you to speak to my people. And Ezekiel says, God, it looks like you made the wrong choice because I lack the skillfulness, he says, to articulate the mind of God. I like the energy to speak to a people who are without energy. I lack the ability to infuse strength in a people who are without strength. At a matter of fact, if you study history, especially the Septuagint, there was a song that they used to sing. And the song was 
because we have dry bones. We have dry, dry bones. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we are without strength. The third thing, we are hopeless. Can you imagine? What manner of song stress is this that wrote such a song? That when they would sing at those times, it was just three verses. We are, we are, we are. We, are, we have dry bones. Then number two was what? We are hopeless. Number three, we are without strength. It was a difficult situation. And as though God did not begin even to address why Ezekiel is saying, I don't have the words, I don't have the words to speak to your people, God begins to give him instruction. And at the tender age of 30, Ezekiel stands up and begins to speak. Let me just take a commercial break here and ask you a question. Have you ever felt inadequate to be used of God? Have you ever come to a place where you thought, God can use everybody else except me, that God can use, God can raise everybody else except me, that everybody else's business has a chance of succeeding except mine that there is this inadequacy that sometimes can begin to inject a lack of confidence in our lives and a lack of you know strength in our lives that brings us to a place where we feel we have dry bones God said it doesn't matter where you feel where you are and how you feel there is an agenda of God in play and the agenda of God is able to to frustrate the weakness of man. Let me say that one more time. That the agenda of God is able to override every weakness of man. Haven't you read Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 20? Scripture says many are the plans in the heart of a man. But the purpose of the Lord that shall stand. That sometimes what gives us the ability to stand is the purpose of God. Solomon said that the horse is prepared for the day of battle. Proverbs 21, 31. But victory belongs unto God. That sometimes we can be at a place of questions. We can be at a place of inadequacy. We can be at a place where all we see is disadvantage. Have you realized, by the way, that hopelessness has a way of showing you what you don't have? Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm talking to you. Just ask your neighbor, neighbor, what, what, what do you have and what don't you? And sometimes how you know that you're hopeless is if you are to give a list of the things that you have and the things that you don't have, the things that you don't have are many. Am I speaking to myself? Is there somebody like that in church this morning who feels that the things that are working against you are more than the things that are working for you? That, you know, this, the song said, count your blessing, name them one by one, but all I've been doing is counting my curses, <laughs> describing them one by one. The devil is a liar. God said that he can choose and work with the inadequate. That when it comes to God, his choice for us is not because of skillfulness or suitability, but his choice for us is based on his sovereign will, grace, and mercy. God is able to choose you exactly where you are. And sometimes the, the enemy is keen enough to ensure that we remember the you of yesterday. And sometimes every time you want to do anything for the kingdom of God, and when you want to rise and take the land that God has called you to take, the first thing that comes to your mind, is what you did last year. The devil is a liar. I came to make an announcement this morning that yesterday is gone, somebody. Let me say that one more time. Yesterday is gone. Look at your neighbor. Talk to them now. Tell them yesterday. 
come on, shake them for me yesterday. Can we have some church a little bit? Just shake your neighbor and tell them yesterday. Yesterday is gone, neighbor. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday can be a bondage. I know I was not, I did not meet your standard yesterday, neighbor. I know you have some chats that I sent you. I know you have some screenshots of me. But neighbor, I came to remind you and every other hater that yesterday is gone. Today is forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 And this is Ezekiel. And he's now dealing. Listen, there is a way. Have you? Do you know that God will work with you before you are able to finish your issues? That before, you know, you can say, you know, God, but I'm just, you know, there's some issues I have. There's some things I need to deal with. Let me give you another illustration. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Scripture says, before, before you were formed, I knew thee. You know, before all these befores. Then it says, even before thou camest forth, I anointed thee. I ordained thee as a prophet unto the nations. Look, what did Jeremiah say? Jeremiah said, God, I have some growing up to do. That's what he said. He said, I'm but a child. He says, God, give me some time. Let's meet when I'm 18 years old. Let's meet when I'm 20. Let's meet after I have grown up. There's some foolishness in my spirit, oh God. There's some, there's some things I'm dealing with. God, I thought you are omniscient. You should know that there's some stuff I'm dealing with. But we have a God that is able to say, though your sin be as red, as scarlet, I am able to make it as white as snow. Am I speaking to somebody today? God is saying, don't describe where you are right now. God, but I have little children. God, but I'm still jobless. God, but I don't have an income yet. God, I'm still trying to enter into school. God said, I've ordained thee. This is the place where Ezekiel is. And he's dealing now. He has his own issues. But the nation of Israel has their own issues. And it's a difficult situation. And now you come to Ezekiel 37, and I want to begin to lay the context before we close this sermon in the next 15 minutes for a preacher. Amen. He said, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit. Now, as far as the literal structure of the book of Ezekiel is what theologians regard visionary literature. That means those things that are enumerated in the book of Ezekiel are not things that are observable by physical eyes, but they are only experienced in the spirit. And Ezekiel is now caught up in a vision. In fact, if you look at how the book of Ezekiel is written, it's written in the first person as a biography. And you sort of get, a, sort of, as, as it were, a, it's called a front seat experience to the interaction of God and men. And scripture says now, remember, that these guys were singing a song in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4 that we have dry bones uh -huh. we are hopeless and we are without strength and this is the song they were singing that is why whoever came up I don't know who came up with this song that says that I came to sing a new song, is there such a song? That I'm singing a new song. It is David who said you should sing a new song unto the Lord. Because there is something about accepting the situation that is in our lives. There is something about accepting the difficulty of life. There is something about, and sometimes it becomes a song. It becomes a song not because necessarily it is sung on key. Or because it is being written and trending on YouTube. It is a song because every time you put your foot forward in any effort of life, there is a song that begins to sing about the 38 reasons why has somebody remember that show about 1000 ways to die 
Uh-huh. So every time you want to move forward, the thing you hear is 38 reasons of why you're going to fail. What is that? Mativo, that is a song. Tell your neighbor, I cast that song in your spirit today. <laughs> Look at the other one like you believe. Just tell them, I'm trying to have some church here by you people. What is happening? You didn't have breakfast. Look at your neighbor, tell them, neighbor, whatever disadvantageous song you've been singing, today is the last day. 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 For how long will you call me the widow of Zarephath? For how long will you call me the woman with the issue of blood? For how long will you call me the tax collector? For how long will you call me the leper who sat by the water? I have since been healed. Smell the coffee, baby. Wake up and catch up with where I am. I used to be the man with an issue next to the pool. I used to be the man sitting by the gate beautiful. But now God has made my life. Uh, do, I, do, do, do I have somebody in church this morning? Oh, yes. That sanctification is realizing that God requires us to be set apart, but it is not accepting that our present day challenge is a disqualification to walk with God. That part of being set apart is being able to pursue God even when you are limping. Let me say that one more time. That part of, listen, it is better to be in the house with the thirst of the club than going to the club and saying, okay, I give up. Hallelujah. Are you able to pursue God while you're limping? Look at your neighbor, ask them, somebody talk to me. Are you able to pursue God? Even when you are limping, are you able to pursue God? I know you don't have it all together. I know you are still working on some things and there's things that are not working out yet. And there's issues on the left side and there's issues on the right side. And Nebuchadnezzar is on your face and your eyes has been gorged out. And there's some confusion in your vision. But God said, I am able to walk with you exactly where you are. The hand of the Lord came up upon me and brought me out in the spirit and there are people who have issues with that because if you are consulted there are about 300 people who you would have recommended the hand of God to go upon <laughs> let me say that one more time that there are people who have decided to be the Holy Ghost regulator that why are you moving on that person's life? And why are you moving on this person's life? And why have you chosen this one? And why have you dishonored this one? God, there are a couple of things I need to tell you about Pastor Doc. If, I, if you know these things, I don't know why they, your hand would have anything to do with Pastor Doc. He says, a broken and contrite spirit I will not turn away from. That God's hand is not far from reach. That his hand is able even to reach to a man, a prophet like Ezekiel. At this time, he was just turning 30. Despite his issues, the hand of the Lord was upon him. That's not my message. Then he comes and says three things here. And as I begin to close. He says, and he brought me out in the spirit and set me down. Now, chapter 1 to chapter 36 has been dealing with the agenda of God. The book of Ezekiel, I know you thought it has three chapters. No, it has 48 chapters. And for, for 37 chapters, God has been talking about his agenda. In fact, chapter 36 deals with Kog and Magog, prophecies for today. Talking about Israel shall be invaded by a power from the north. And people have been saying, you see now what is happening in Russia and Ukraine and these things are coming to pass. 
And then in that chapter 37, finally God begins to deal with the defeatist song that the children of Israel had. And this then begins to become the answer of that defeat. He says, and he, he brought me down in the midst of the valley. And that valley was full of bones. Then he caused me, now these were not fish bones or donkey bones. These were bones of human beings. It means then that there was life before and then there was no life. It says this was a graveyard of bones. Look at this. And he says, then he caused me to pass by them all around. It's as though he was inspecting death and the effects of death. He was staring failure in the eye. He says, and then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And the, indeed, they were very dry. That these were not just bones, but they were very dry bones. One scholar argued and said the reason why the author uses the word very dry is to draw our attention to the fact that this was a very prolonged matter. That these were bones that were not, they were not these are not people who died last week. This, are, this is an army that had died many months ago and the bones and the flesh had already been decomposed and now they were dry. Not only were they dry, but they were very dry and to draw parallels with the king Zedekiah one of the bones that was in the valley was the king Zedekiah's bones and the bones of his sons that deals with the possibility of tomorrow that when I look at my life I look at my future and there are questions on every side and it looks like it's a valley of what bones not only bones but dry bones this is a valley of dead dreams and a valley of dead visions and dead hopes that there used to be a fire in my belly when I began serving God. That there used to be a fire in my belly when I entered engineering school. Now it's three years after I graduated and there is a dimness. There is a dryness. There is no, the passion of life has been stolen by the enemy. Vision has been gorged out of my eyes. He said that this valley was very dry. It was a valley of dry bones. And I began to ask myself, oh God, what are you saying to Rivers Church this morning? And the answer was clear that sometimes there are matters that have occurred in our lives. Because dry bones does not talk about the fear of the present day. Dry bones does not talk about the hope of the future. Dry bones talks about the dead things in our journey. That there are things that died in our journey. There are relationships that died in our journey. There are businesses that died in our journey. And there are visions that died in our journey. And they did not die because they were meant to die. No, they died because there was Nebuchadnezzar outside the gate and Nebuchadnezzar laid a siege and Nebuchadnezzar slaughtered the king. And there are things that happened in our lives that began to kill our hopes and kill our dreams. You know, you set out to have an amazing family but now Nebuchadnezzar has come and has transformed that vision of an amazing family into a valley of dried bones and God asks you a question this morning child of God can these bones live ask your neighbor can these bones live 
Can this, I'm getting ready to close. We have to keep time. Can these bones live? Can this, ask your neighbor, can these bones live? Are you able to dream again? Can your business open up again? Can your business open up again? Can you see vision one more time? Can you recover passion? Can that fire in your belly rise up again? You know, somebody said I was getting ready to enjoy, a, 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 you know, 10 years, 7 years. Somebody said, say it is, I suspect that I'm in my 7 years of harvest like Joseph, but I entered my second year and all of a sudden it looked like it was 7 years of drought and challenge. Challenges. Can these dry bones live again? I thank God for men without strength because pride would come and say, Yes, God, these bones can live. God, I'm the prophet of God, anointed. I'm going to declare and decree, and these bones will live right now. I'll give a seed, oh God, to resurrect these bones. And the prophet of God says, Only you know. Praise the Lord. Only you know that ultimately the decider of the destinies of men is Yahweh the Most High. That there is no demon in hell powerful enough to determine the ways that you're going. That there is no demon in hell powerful enough able to cut out the vision of God for your life. Can these bones live? And God answered and said, only you know, Ezekiel said, then again he said unto me, let's get ready to write to stand up. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and tell them this. Look at what he tell them. Hear the word of the Lord. Oh gosh, let me say that one more time. In fact, this is what the prophet said. Look at, in your people back Bible, look at verse 4. Again he said unto me, prophesy to these bones. This is God training Ezekiel for battle. He says, again, he said unto me, uh -huh, prophesy to these bones and say to them. I like God. He doesn't avoid the issue. He says, oh, dry bones. Uh -huh. Oh, dry bones. The issue is dealt with. Oh, wicked heart or oh, selfish heart. Oh, unforgiving heart. Oh, you know, impossible vision that God says, say to this this way. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah forever. This is the day the scriptures sanctioned us to speak to dead things. Hallelujah. Let me say that one more time. I'll finish my message. That is how God sanctioned us to speak to dead things. Hear the word of the Lord. And anything that is dead must listen to the word of God. That we can rise up on our feet and say, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. No wonder Paul said, or is it the writer of the book of Hebrews, that the word of God is quick and is powerful, that we are able to speak the word unto every dead situation, that we are able to speak the word of God unto every dead vision, that we are able to speak the word of God unto every dead impossible circumstance. It is true that with men this is impossible, but with God 
all things as possible. Rise up on your feet. Let's pray for one minute as we get ready to enter into the next session today. Just lift up your hand and say, I speak now to my business. Hear the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I speak now to my family. Hear the word of the Lord. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.